it's time for me to be put to the sword about my takes on Vooch, on D'Anthony Melton, Devin Booker, and Miles Turner. Because Dan Bezbris is here to tell me how bad it is. And I'm going to do the same to him. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $5, or can bet $5, and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, and we are available on all platforms. All right. Another rankings rumble. This is the sixth in the series. We've got one more of these coming tomorrow. We're talking with Dan Besbris, so uh, we might as well just talk to him, huh? The big fella is here. It is, of course, Daniel Besbris Jr. Welcome, uh, welcome back to the show. I appreciate you going with the full Daniel there in the intro. <laughs> yeah, well I done. I didn't know if you'd catch it. I didn't know if anyone else would catch it. But now that you've uh, brought it to light, I'm sure people are going to notice it. But you are here. Old DBJ is ready to go. And we're here to talk about players and about rankings. And I am very, very glad that well, I knew you were going to pick one. Because I gave behind the curtain. I may have already gone behind this curtain. I gave everyone a list. Okay, here's a list of my guys. Tell me what shit about it, right? And everyone picked a couple. Then I said, give me your list and I'll tell you why you're wrong as well. Unbelievably, Dan, in true Kim Jong-un style, I haven't lost a single one of these yet. Completely undefeated. It's all been holes in one on every one of these. And it's probably going to be a 4-0 for me here again. But I knew you were going to pick Devin Booker. I'm glad you did. And I was hoping that you would pick uh, the guy in Chicago, the big fella, Nikola Vucevic. So I'm glad that we've got those. And I'm glad that you hate what I've done with them. So I'm be preparing for this all my life, Dan. We are going to debate why you think I am stupid to have Devin Booker where he is positioned. Let's um, let's do it. His ADP is 16 currently. I have got him pretty close to that. And I've been on record, and again, everything that I say is on record, that there is an outside shot for me that Devin Booker become, can become a first-round player. Now, I wouldn't take him in the first round. It's an outside shot. But I think there are probably three guys, I think, who have got that outside shot, who are outside the first round, decently out, who can jump in, and he's one of them. But you, uh, you're you just a certified hater. So what's going on? I am, yeah. I, I think that uh, at this point, you could probably slap that tag on me. I, I just, I, I to me, the jump that would need to happen for Booker to get into that first round is going to have to come in the facilitating side of things. Yep. And from what I've watched of him... I think he's a good passer, but I don't think he's a great passer. And so the jump that I think is going to happen there is five and a half assists last year, probably gets into the sixes, maybe creeps towards seven, but I don't see it getting any higher than that with Booker. And there's going to be some erosion in the other stuff. I know that it might not be that much because it's really his team and he and Kevin Durant are likely going to be the guys who take the smaller hit. Bradley Beal is going to have to do a little bit less joining up with those guys. I get it. Like the third guy in a trio, there's always one that's going to have to take a little, a bigger hit than the others. 
But typically, all three take some kind of usage hit when you've got these big usage guys together like that. So, you know, the funny thing about Devin Booker is that I usually like to target guys who are good percentage players. They're wonderful for Roto, but because he scores so darn much, he never falls far enough for my liking. I think Booker sticks in the 20s. I don't think he makes that leap yet, and I'd love for him to get back on the health horse after last year where he missed a bunch of ball games. Uh, he's going too early for me. Fair enough. I think it's like, to me, the second round feels full of third round players. And that's a weird thing to say, but it's just, I don't want to go, yeah, this guy's an awesome third. It's like every guy go, yeah, I'd like to get him in the third. I'd like to get him in the third. And I could say the same for Booker. I could say it for uh, Towns or Van Vliet or Anthony Edwards or whoever else is going in that zone. There's so many guys who go, ah, it'd be great if I got him at 21 or great if I got him at 25 or 26, but it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. And you said last season he played with Chris Paul and averaged five and a half assists. And now he's not. So somebody is going to have to do more facilitating. They're not going to be Chris Paul. I'm not expecting them to do that, Dan. But I think that a one assist jump from Booker, who three years ago averaged six and a half assists himself before Chris Paul got there, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that he's at minimum seven assists. And eight or nine is tough. He's never getting 10, but... He's already done six and a half when he was running with another point guard, and he's not actually going to do that this season. And Beal will do a bit of it, and KD will do a bit of it for sure. And you're right. I think there will be some sort of a dip in his um, in his overall scoring, but the majority of that will come through Beal. I just think that to get into it being a first-round player, you need um, elite percentages. He's got it. You need either really strong defensive stats. He doesn't have that. Or you need a combination of scoring and assists. And I think he can get it. I think he can push those assists from five, to set because they just have to come from somewhere. And with the addition of like Grayson Allen onto that team, I'm not sure how much even like a Jordan Goodwin even plays in the rotation now. So they might go with like literally zero point guards. And I think he's going to have to accumulate quite a bit of them. Yeah, I kind of look at this team a little bit like the uh, Kevin Durant Warriors. And I know that the everybody plays a little faster now, so it's not a perfect comparison. But you did see each guy in the KD, Steph, Clay trio mm -hmm. take about a one to one and a half shot dip. And they each saw their assists actually kind of level off. Steph was already pretty high. Uh, his stayed about the same. KD's actually, I believe, came down when he joined the Warriors. So the, uh, there's always this weird little phenomenon where we hope that someone's going to grab the assist mantle. But it really does end up getting split pretty tight. By the way, I want you to know I'm trying to ratchet up my level of aggression for this show because I thought it'd be fun for people. What level of aggression is this? You're like it's the softest aggression of all time that you throw. I know. Because well, I'll, I'll, I'll just come back here and say, okay, that's cool that those guys dropped their assists in Golden State. Just get to a quick check and check what Draymond Green's assists were, were for me because that block doesn't exist in Phoenix. Somebody is going to have to handle the ball, and we can you put the clays and those sort of guys there, but. Somebody has to pass at some point. They're not going to just do ISOs every single play. And Draymond doesn't exist in Phoenix. So there, there you go. I win that one. Good. Good. Happy with that. <laughs> Can I actually say I like Yusuf Nurkic being a little bit uh, of a that's hub? That's true. I know. I, I, he's a very good passer. He is. He's not Draymond, but. He is a better passer than KD, I would say. He's probably not as good as Booker or Beal, but he is. He's much better passer than what DeAndre Ayton is. Who, Way better than him. The yeah. Dominator? How dare you? Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, don't with that. That's. <laughs> Um, and whoever's going to start at the other spot is not going to be a passer. It's going to be probably Bates right. Diop, I guess. It's not going to be Eric Gordon, although he will close games, and he's a decent pass passer too. That team is so interesting because they are just leaning fully into positions. Who cares? Just, just do stuff. And 
I think I think it's going to work. We'll find out. It is going to be very intriguing to see how that all goes down. We've got the next one, though. It is the big fella in Chicago. We'll get to that in one second, though, because I do have to tell you something, Dan, before we get there. And what I have to tell you is that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Now, Dan, if you go onto FanDuel, I'm sure you could have a look and see what the odds are for the Cal Golden Bears, which uh, currently reside on your hat. I'm not sure what their over-under for wins are. Is it one, two for the season? Where, where, where do you think they're going to sit in their final season in the in the Pac-12? Any any they're, chance of just betting against them and winning a lot of money? They're not good. I'm very <laughs> sad about it. But I understand that they're not. I'm a pragmatic man. Uh, but I think they've won two so far. So oh, they got go. two already. There I don't know that the third is coming. But... We, we can harken back to the days of Justin Forsett and relive the glory days of the of the Cal Golden Bears, Dan. You can bet whatever you want on Fangio. It's all there. Spreads, money lines, props, over-unders. It's all there. So go to Fangio.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fangio is an official partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. We are ready for this next one, and I am uh, I'm interested to do it. It is Nikola Vucevic. I am armed with information, well, sort of information, at least my thoughts. Dan, you recoiled in horror when you saw my list and you saw Vooch very much down. And I can, I love, I love trying to do this because I'm an idiot, but I love trying to preempt my guests and their reasoning. And you're going to be, well, why you know, he Vooch was ten, top 10 in totals last season. Vooch is just steady and he's overlooked because he's old. Nothing's changed on that Chicago team. So why do you have him 30 spots lower than his ADP, which sits at 36 and I've got him around 60. Am I on the mark with any of those? Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically on it. Um, you know, I, I know that there are a few more fears this year of pieces being moved in Chicago and would that impact anything towards the end of the season? But overall for me, He's just been this pillar of consistency and health for so many years. And, um, you know, I, I hate to oversimplify my analysis on Vooch and the fact that you're able to know what I'm going to say before I say it does make my job a little harder in this argument. <laughs> but, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's effectively it. I, 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 he's also falling even beyond his ADP in a lot of drafts because he is so not sexy at all, especially in head-to-head drafts, because he doesn't have those categories that hyper boost you in anything um but at the end of the day that guy that's a guy that to me i think you can drop into your lineup pretty comfortably and if you can get him in the fourth now which i know that adp suggests just barely into the fourth but i think might be slipping a little bit even beyond that um he's to me is just a really calm easy pick that at the end of your draft you're gonna look at and go no that wasn't very fun but i think at the end of the year you're gonna say you know i'm glad i did that I will give you something with him. He's going to be a pretty good rebounder. But, but Dan, you, you talk about health, and he played all 82 last season. The problem in him early in his career is he was never healthy. Multiple 50-game seasons, three of them, in fact. A um, couple of 60-game seasons, he just couldn't stay healthy. He had a consistent like Achilles and lower body injuries, and it's been better. He missed uh, nine games prior, played everyone. That's fine. But I don't know if you've seen this, but do you know that Vooch averaged literally the exact same points, rebounds, and assists last year versus the year before? Like 17.6, 11.0, and 3.2, which is really hard to do. I, I don't know how he was able to do that, but he did it. He did that 
and his usage dropped two percentage points. Do you want to know how he was able to maintain that, that scoring number? Well, his true shooting jumped up by six percentage points. He had gone from a guy that was 53, 56, 55, 57, 53, all the way up to almost 60. So his usage came down. He was marginalized in the offense, but somehow he was able to pull efficiency out of his ass. I would say out of those two things, Dan, that the usage and his role in the offense probably doesn't change a huge amount. But if you are banking on him repeating that same out of the blue, one out of the box efficiency numbers, then yeah, he maybe gets back there. I don't know that he does. And oh yeah, he's old now. He's not super old, but he's 33. He's not a superstar player. Things can drop off at any point. And I just don't want to bank on a one-year efficiency jump when role and usage was has been on the way down. And he also played only 30 minutes a game over the final uh, eight games of the season when this team was battling for seeding. They just started uh, dropping him down for what, what reason? I'm not sure, but things started to tail off as the season went on and minutes were reduced. So I will counter some of that with the also somewhat random fluctuation of steals and blocks. He managed to cover mm. a steal block dip last year with the bump in efficiency. So I would That's say... True. If the efficiency comes back down, there's a pretty reasonable chance that his steals come back up. Blocks, tough to say. He's bounced around between 0.6 and 1.1, so 0.7. Yes, that could happen again. It could be 0.8. It could be 0.9. The steals was weirdly, unseasonably even, kind of low for him last year. I would expect those to actually tip back up a tad. So even if the usage stays the same and the shooting comes down from 52% to, say, 49, closer to his career mark, something in that neck of the woods, I think he can cover that with an extra 0.2, 0.3 steal. Uh, or I don't like calling them stocks. I like calling no, them all so, defensive stats. No, I don't not into the, stocks is nonsense. Not in, no. Yeah, not into mushing those words together. I'm a man of many words, and I stretch it out wherever I can. Dan, <laughs> as people people know what I'm going to say, but as I will always say, if you're going to use the term stocks, then you've got to be really happy to use the term ass bounds to comp- combine assists and rebounds. <laughs> and if you're not willing to say ass bounds, sharp about stocks. Because it doesn't mean anything to have them together. It literally means nothing. It doesn't mean a single thing for us in fantasy. I hope you know that now I'm definitely using both. Because before I hated just stocks, but if it gives me the the you know the open avenue to start calling things ass bounds, I'm freaking all in. Vooch averaged fourteen point two ass bounds last season. The the steals is interesting for me him because he he was low last season, but. He's had like 1.9.9111.8.7 over the years that he's been a starter. So like yeah, it's not great. He's never been a good shot blocker, but those it is so hard to trust those low volume numbers and I did a whole article on this on Basketball Monster yesterday talking about how the variance of these low volume things makes it really tough to trust them on a game by game year by year basis. And that's that is part of it, you're right. If that does go back up, that does help his overall value on the ceiling, but 0.3 steals is one steal a week, basically, Dan. It's like, so over the course yeah. of a season, I talked about you with you about this on your show the other day, talking about yeah. the averages and how that, for Roto, that's that's great. Like, that makes a lot of sense. That's an extra 30 steals for a season. One steal a week in head-to-head means nothing. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it looks good in the averages and the rankings and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of influencing a matchup, it doesn't actually do shit. Like it, it's, I grab anyone off the, I go go grab Shaq Harrison because he's playing 20 minutes one game and that one steal a week has just disappeared. Like your advantage is lost there because big Shaq drops in three in a game. Like that's just not influential in a head-to-head matchup, I don't believe. And that's, and the difference there, that, that's a 0.3, that's basically 0.3, 0.2 to 0.3 change in your average. That's all it like uh, equates to. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, and again, I I hate to say that this is a guy that's going to be uh, much more revered on the Roto side, but the simple fact is that's he true. is very, very good in rebounding, and he's he's this rare player that's like just basically above average in almost every other category, and certainly for a big man assist, that is above average. Steals is pretty good for him for a big, below average in blocks, but nice field goal percent, nice free throw, low turnovers. That's just not sexy to have it's one not- strong category, but it is really useful on the Roto side when you roll that up over the entire season. Last point on Vooch. How like how different do you think some like looking at just these profile statistically, like why can't you grab Zach Collins 70 spots later, who has good field goals, good free throws, solid rebounds, could pass a little bit, block a shot, will score a little bit. It's not gonna be the same, but he's not that far off. And that's 70 spots later. Yeah, I mean, you could. I, I think you'll see uh, better, consistent numbers out of Vooch. I, I think agree. there's going to be a lot of pop stuff going on in San Antonio this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, percentages-wise, they probably aren't going to be all that disparate. Um, Vol- rebounds, I think Steve Vooch would, Yeah, volume would be pretty pretty significant. And Vooch will, will clobber him in rebounds. But, I mean, you could probably make a similar argument for a lot of different styles of player, and they just find their way up the board through incremental jumps in a bunch of different categories. And that's kind of the Vooch story is just a little bit better than a lot of guys in a lot of different things rather than one very obvious or two very obvious ones. A hundred percent accurate, Dan, but I'm sorry to tell you that you lost that one as well. Just the way, yeah, well. just the way it goes on this show. We'll get back I'll and get talk, talk about a couple more in a second because today's episode is brought to you by the big fellas over at Bird Dogs. We love Bird Dog shorts because they feel comfortable. Who doesn't love comfort? It's the best thing that you can get, but not only comfortable because they feel great and we could be sitting on our ass at home talking about Nikola Vucevic and his fantasy value, or we could be out strutting our stuff talking to people on the street about Nikola Vucevic and his fantasy value. And Bird Dogs just transitions whatever you want to do. At the pub and talking about Vooch. At the shops, talking to the checkout person. Hey, have you heard about Nikola Vucevic? And they say, just shut up and take your bread. All that stuff can be done in Bird Dogs with their tight, slim-feeding things to make your thighs pop just like Vooch. It's all there. <laughs> And now with Bird Dogs and their anti-stink sweat wicking fabric, Vooch doesn't need that. He never smells. He's a perfect man. Bird Dogs can help you at any function at any occasion. And they get you a water bottle as well. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. You enter the promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout. That's a second way to do it. For a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. It's like a double-double the way that Vooch does it. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Yeah, that is a good promise. Um, all right, now it's time for me to come in and have a crack at you about some of your rankings. Okay. We're talking Indiana, we're talking Miles Turner, who's an ADP of 37. And I'm going to tell you now, Dan, I'm not that bad. I'm not, I'm not that far off with you here on this one, but you have maybe heard me talking about the value of blocks being slightly inflated in terms of the way traditional rankings look at them. And therefore, a lot of the blocks, guys, I just dropped down a little bit in my rankings. I think that Miles Turner is very strong. He's a very good player. He might lead the league in blocks. He might be 10th, which is still he still could be really good in that. That's, that's all true for him. I'm just not sure how much more he does offensively. It was a big offensive jump for him last season. And with... This team, um, you're getting at least someone next to him who can play power forward as opposed to running whatever Aaron Neesmith was uh, masquerading as last season. That <laughs> might help him there as well. But I just also think that there is a little bit of overvaluation in the way that the blocks work. And I think if look, if he committed to fully just bombing threes, he'd be awesome at this spot. I'm just, he just never does. He just doesn't take enough of them. 
And I think if you're taking that as a third round pick, I just think there is there are some there are some concerns with how you balance out everything else. Like he doesn't get probably enough rebounds as a center to really make a big dent in that category. He's not scoring at a huge amount, so you've got to really be, Ooh, have I got enough scoring early on or how do I recover from that later on? Um, the field goal percentage is pretty strong. He's a good percentage guy, again, much like Vooch, but he's probably less extreme than a Walker Kessler or even a Jaron Jackson, but it is concentrated a lot of value into that one category. And that can, if you don't know how to deal with it, it can lead you into some problems. And the later I can get those guys, the easier it is to deal with those problems, I think. Yeah, and you know what? I, I don't totally disagree with you because I think this is one where we're not too far apart on it. Uh, it seems like if you can get him at the very end of the third round, even beginning of the fourth, it eliminates some of what you were talking about as the big issue, Correct. which is something that I've talked on my show and I know you have as well. Like JJJ, when he was going 11th, when Yahoo opened their board, oh, insane. okay, yes. fine. Yeah, like I get it. He's a first round numbers guy, but it's one category. You can't build a team around him. But getting that very similar profile from Miles Turner at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, you've sort of had a chance now to establish the foundation of your team, whatever it is going to be. Yes, third round plays a big role in that, but first two really are kind of like the left and the right, and then you can build around that. So I'm good with it. I also think because of how strong he is in some of the other categories and how not weak he is in a bunch of them, maybe is the better way to frame it, that he allows you to add this the block strength without sacrificing much else besides really points uh, because he's pretty solid in steals for a center good percentages turnovers bounce sort of counterbalance against likely first and second round picks that are pretty high in that you're not expecting assists out of your center but he's helping you he's giving you some threes the rebounds are something you can work with if it's not a foundation but again it's that same thing kind of i think of it a little bit like vooch where blocks are probably still a little harder to find than rebounds but you know you kind of compare them in certain ways you can add miles to an existing build. I don't want to say secure blocks because one guy's never going to do that, but you sort of add that as a strength without giving up on anything else. And I think that's something you can do in the third, fourth round without feeling like you're setting your team build back too far. Yeah, look, I, I do agree with that. I, to, well, to a degree. I, I think to me, he's more of a f later fourth round player. Um, I think that you talk about the strength and blocks is there, but there are going to be probably five guys who give you some blocks that are available after the top 65, I would guess. Like a Mark Williams uh, in that area. Dan Gafford's going to be around there. They're not going to be as quite as high as Miles Turner, but Zach Collins will get you 1.5 to 1.7. Chet Holmgren might slide outside the top 50 as well. There's, there are a few different options there. Now, Turner's better than him, and that's why he goes earlier than those guys as well. But he does offer... It's not, it's not that dissimilar to a Walker Kessler profile in terms of like... There's great blocks. There's good field goal percentage. But the assists are very, very small. And if you're not getting assists in the first three to four rounds, Dan, it does make it really tough to be super competitive in that area because you'll see in drafts that there'll be like, I don't know, let's say 30 point guards or 25 point guards go in the top 50 picks or whatever, or point guard-like stat sets, and assists become very tough to get. So if you're getting him averaging one and a half assists per game, it does make it hard to be, you can be middle of the pack, but we don't really want to be middle of the pack because it, it's not ideal in that scenario. So it does sort of, it does limit you and that's fine. But for everybody, it doesn't make sense to me to be getting him mid third round or something like that. Yeah. And I think uh, folks should really be focusing on non-center 
type stats early this year. Uh, Jokic mm. is the obvious exception there because he brings you non-center stats. To, with the Sabonis, to guys, Sabonis is, I think Sabonis to a degree as well. Yeah. I think that that he's he's actually a pretty interesting guy when you're punting blocks, for example, um, in round two because rebounds and field goals is something you always lack, and then he adds assists onto it as well. I think he's an awesome target in that second round because of the weirdness of his numbers. Sorry to interrupt. No, yeah, I mean that, and that totally makes sense. I just because of a lot of those centers you talked about, and there's even uh, sort of cheaper versions of Miles mm -hmm. Turner out there. You mentioned Chet. I like Chet a lot, which is weird because he's young, and that's not a normal thing for me. Um, Brooke Lopez is a similarly built fantasy profile that you can get closer to seventy this year, mm -hmm. which is great. By the way, he was going in the fifties in August, and he's dropped fifteen slots. So yay for Dan! I think, apparently, I think he's going to keep. I think he's going to keep dropping Dan, to be honest, because I think he's going to lose a lot of usage on that team, and I think he's going to drop down quite a bit. I'm actually okay with him continuing to get drafted later and later and mm -hmm. later because all I want out of him is to not destroy my percentages and get me a handful of blocks. Um, but again, you know, if you started with a center, if you started with like a Joel Embiid, drafting Miles Turner on top of him is a, a kind of a wild idea unless you're like going hard into big man stuff. Um, the, I guess the, the overlap there is that Embiid is not a bad foul shooter, so there's some measure. But like if you have Anthony Davis, you don't need Miles Turner in the third. If you have uh, other bigs early and there's a handful of them. But I think this is a reason why guards are often now sliding up the board because people have seen... Yeah. There's an abundance of centers this year, and the, the, it's sort of like a slow wave happening, but guards are going early again. And In you, previous years, because of an assist thing, this year it's because we're like, oh, I got centers everywhere. I don't have to rush on them. Yeah, and it becomes an arms race as well with certain things. If everyone starts going assist, 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 you go, shit, if I don't get someone, I'm done on my assist. And then what also happens is you get into round five, Dan, and about six centers go in about nine picks, and then you start panicking <laughs> yeah, right. there. That's how the flow of the drafts goes. It's like round three, round four, it's all, or round two, round three, it's all assisting. You go, man, I better get someone there. And then round four and five, it's every center in the world goes off the board. And that's, you talk about it a bit. I talk about it a lot as well. Probably not as much as I should. Is it like just trying to pivot a little bit? That's why pun assist always has extra value because you can just grab some other guys in different spots and you don't have to get sucked into that arms race of grabbing those guys who like in a category league, like someone might be getting, oh, I've got to get Jalen Brunson at like 28 or something. Uh, you maybe don't have to do that if you yeah. want to go in a different direction. It's an, and um, and when people are looking at sort of like, I want to have a really balanced team, well, that means you have to really follow the trajectory of the draft and sort of end up, oh, I'm not overdrafting guys, but you go, well, I can't get assists later. I have to do it now that I have to get this guy here because everyone else is doing it. And then you run into some problems uh, along that way, I think. Yeah, and, and the nice thing about, uh, at least I'll do my once a show roto plug, is that you have six months to make adjustments on this kind of thing. If you cut out of the shoot and your team just isn't that great in a category, you have two directions you can go with it uh, that make a lot of sense. With head-to-head, -head, if you're not good at something, you pretty much just want to get rid of it by mid-season. There's like kind of no point. With Roto, little tweaks, you can give up on it, you can come back in it. I love that. They go best player available, and that is part of, at least for me, what makes Roto drafting less exciting, but also kind of easier to some degree, because you're just taking values wherever you find them. And then with head-to-head, -head, you really have to be so laser-focused on, do I have six categories that I can attack and win? Um, but even that, even with that, I do think Miles Turner can fit into some head-to-head -head builds. But 
I, I oh. think I probably too much on Miles. No, look, he can. I just, I to me, he's. But it's not a big difference here. Like you'd probably go more early to mid third, and I'd probably go more mid to late fourth around on him. Understand that I probably don't get him, and if that's the way I want to build a team, that I might have to go earlier because in the end, Dan, ranking numbers don't mean anything. Like they're they're so weird that we look at them as this. And it's you said something there which I wanted to push back on, and I'll do it now, not to extend this show too much. But you say, like, just take best player available. But how do you know? Like, how do you know who the best player is? I, I don't know. You don't know who it is. Like, people will often just throw, oh, I'm just going to take best player available. Well, when you get to pick 40 or when you get to pick 70, there might be 30 best players available at that spot. Like, I can't tell you within a 0.1 of a steal or 0.2 of threes or 0.3 of assists what a player is going to do. And those swings in that area move blokes 10 spots, 5 spots, 15 spots up or down. So that best player available is what you believe is best player and you cannot have with any degree of confidence that that guy is there. Like even if you're in a fantasy points league, well, this guy's averaging 30, I think he's going to do 37. This guy might average 36 and a half. It's the same player. And that might be at pick 80, 10 different guys in that range. They're the same player. You can't, with any degree of confidence, I, I don't think, at mo- a lot of spots in drafts, tell me who the best player available is. Yeah, I think there's, I'll, I guess I'll counter push a tiny bit on that. I think uh, folks like you, myself, folks that spend enough time on this can have at least some idea of who's going to have a successful season. Um, you know, people are smarter now, so ADPs are a little tighter than they used to be, you know, even seven, eight years ago. Um, but I do think that, you know, if you're if you're grinding on it hard enough, you can at least isolate a maybe smaller clump of players that you feel have that really nice opportunity, that nice ability to give you something beyond where they're being drafted, whatever that is. You're drafting them at a certain spot, and as the season goes on, you feel like, oh, this is a guy that if we redid the draft, people would have taken him however many slots sooner because of how they're doing. Now, strictly by rank board, that's kind of a difficult way to do it because, you know, different teams need different things out of their 50th ranked guy. But obviously, if you're drafting at 80, you'd prefer to usually have the guy who's ranked 50 at the end of the year than the guy who's ranked 95. You would. Uh, absolutely. Just finding, like, at, at the time of a draft, figuring out who is this definite best guy when, again, nearly, unless you're going somewhere, I go, man, that guy's 30 spots off where I think it should be. And I go, that's probably, that feels a bit off to me. But if it's someone who's like 10 spots or five spots, I, it's very hard for me to make an argument that singularly, singularly, that's not right, singularly, this is the best player at this spot, 100%. Right. There's, there's no other decision here. There's always, outside of like a pick one, because as, as, as soon as you get to pick two, Dan, I could say, well, there's four guys I could take a pick two. And I can't sit here definitively tell you that Embiid is better than Shea, that's better than Halliburton, that's better than Doncic, that honestly, that's better than Steph. Like, I can't sit here and tell you any of that. Like, I don't know for sure. So I can tell you that I take Jokic at one without a problem. But every other pick after that, I can throw two guys into the mix, three, four, five, six, ten, whatever, and it expands as we go down. And finding the right guy, how you feel, where you feel more confidence in it, is is how you should approach it. I think as we get into a lot of strategy talk here. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say we just we better move it on because we'll get on to the last guy, and this is someone who. You know what? I hate talking about this guy, and I'll tell you why in a sec. It's Anthony Melton because. I really liked Anthony Melton when he was coming out of USC, and I don't know why Houston ended up trading him to Phoenix. Phoenix dumped him in the Josh Jackson salary dump, which was insane to me. And I've always been, hey, Taylor Jenkins, can you play the guy? He's better than Dylan Brooks. He's better than these guys, and I think he's really good. But then I think he gets a little bit overvalued in fantasy for numerous reasons. Now, I've got him down the back end of my draft board where if you want to take him at 110 or 120 or whatever, uh, I've got... 
I don't really have too much of a problem with it. I've got him more in the 125 to 130 sort of an area. Now, I'm guessing part of the argument you're going to have for him being higher is, well, what if James Harden isn't there? Correct? Correct, yeah. I'm uh, still assuming he's gone. I know James Harden's playing nice so far, but... I uh, look, that, That's fair. Look, he, he might be gone, but I it's just been such a pattern with DeAnthony Melton that no matter what seems to happen, always somebody seems to cut in to what he does. What if it's like, what if they bring somebody else back? Say it's Terrence Mann, right? He's not James Harden, but he'll get minutes. And then what if they want to chuck Patrick Beverly's defensive tenacity out there as well? Like, I don't think it's as clear as Harden goes, Melton plays 30 minutes. I, I don't think that it's as clear as that. And when Melton's number one strength to me is steals, and they are very good, but they are extremely variable in terms of game-to-game, week-to-week. And he's one of the best, and he will be one of the best. And he might be the first guy in steals, he might be the fifth guy, but that might be 1.7 versus 1.3 over a couple of weeks or whatever. And I like him, but I think that when you go... like, well, let's, How high would you go? Would you take him in the top 100? Because to me, that's pretty crazy to do it. Yeah, I think I'd probably take him inside the top 100, but I wouldn't go much beyond that. Um, the nice thing here, and there's a little bit of a cop-out answer, is that I don't think you have no, to you don't. in right. general um so would i yeah I'd, I'd inch inside there um but i also think that the only time you're really looking at that type of move is if you're stuck on either the front or back end turn of a draft where you're like all right well i got 25 picks coming up here and you know i got pick 95 i would like him and i don't think he's going to be there at 120 so here you go although at 95 there's usually a different crop of players you can pick from so um I'm sort of pre-defending myself here in this answer. Well, uh, let's, let's I, I love him at 110. How about that? Um, yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I would probably go outside top 120. 110 is okay to me. But I have seen people be like, I'll take him at 70 or 80. Like, okay. Don't that's, do that. That's, that's yeah. Well, not you wouldn't ha- not necessarily take him there. I don't have to take him there, which is always a great cop-out. Not cop-out. It's a great like, hey, I've got, and I, I use it myself. I've got him here. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. wouldn't take him there. But that's sort of how I see him go. Um, but like, all right. So I'm gonna. I like using these player comparisons at the moment. Like, what's to say that Asar Thompson doesn't do what he does and does it better this season with you know uh, one assist more or same sort of steals and blocks profile and is on a bad team, so might have a role that increases every week as we go along. Whereas Melton's getting by. With, like he might score ten points a game with three assists or four assists or something, which is fine, but. I hardly see a huge spike in big numbers there. And that sort of applied to me, just a, a later a later round guy. And I think there are just other players around that area, like Trey Jones, for example. I think I'd rather have Trey Jones and DeAnthony Melton inside the top 100 because I just feel a little bit more secure with his role and the, uh, the assist bump that he might provide. And I just think there are either, either Thompson, a man, Asar can sort of mirror with the, um, with the steel numbers and the out-of-position blocks that what Melton brings. So I think you probably get, and I'm I'm making a, a relatively large assumption here, but I'm going to make it, and that's that James Harden is not there uh, on the first day of the season. He might he might be there. I know that they say that they're going to keep him, and mm. who knows? But this is James Harden, and he's I'm sure working on something up his sleeve right now while while practicing. Um, and so I I think for Melton, his biggest numbers last year were when Harden and Maxi were out at the yes. same time. So it is worth mentioning that, um, and that's when they asked him to do a little bit more and he was great offensively. 
and he was excellent. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was a delightful run of like top 35 style fantasy stuff. Interestingly, Dan, in that time, Shake Milton was like the third ranked player over over that week when they were both out. (laughs) So like Melton had this role, then Shake Milton said, nah, screw this. And he went absolutely bananas. So I've got this list of like rankings per week and you see all these things. Then there's Shake Milton at number three. What the fuck? What happened there? And you go, that's that week when they were both out. Yeah, that was was an unbelievable week from Shake Milton. But yeah, he was Uh, great. And he's one of those guys that I love because I know that he can scale up and do different things. I'm just never convinced that a coach is going to allow him to do it. Yeah, and 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 honestly, I'm actually okay with kind of a repeat performance from last year. And, and I know that guys are bunched together between you know 80 and 140 or whatever. But a relatively healthy DeAnthony Melton rolling at what if you're going to go rank board style, sort of that 75, which is kind of like I, I like to use the metaphor of who are the guys that push the boulder forward on your team. Who are the guys that get rolled over by it? And then who are the ones that just kind of keep the stone from rolling in any direction? And Melton is in that group of players to me that just kind of keeps your team bolder from rolling off the path. And those guys you're going to need at some point um, because you're just not going to have, in a competitive league, you're not going to have 11 guys that all push the boulder forward. There are too many smart people out there. So you need a few guys that are going to keep the boulder stationary. For Melton, it's with... A decent free throw percent, uh, great steals numbers. He even gets you some blocks. He's a decent rebounding guard. Little bit of a bunch of things. And you know me, I don't mind if I'm not getting a ton of points out of my 10th round draft pick. I'm hoping that I've taken care of that early. If not, then, you know, in the words of the great Bob Euchre in Major League, the hell with it. Uh, then it really doesn't hurt me. But uh, I, I like Melton a lot in that 10th round range. And I, I think he overperforms that spot. What you just said there was something I was just gonna I was gonna bring it up and I've just completely blanked on it. So congratulations to me for doing that. Is that a win? Do I get uh, a win? There was something else. Yeah, you can have it. You can have this one. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. There, was some, there was something you were, you were saying there about um fuck yeah you know what? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It'll it'll come to me probably never and it doesn't matter. Dan one and three. I'll give one you and three, baby. I'll give you that one. Thank you for coming on and uh, and chatting to me about those ones and getting the first victory of me in my entire career and in my entire life. So that's uh, something you can put. I'll, get, I'll send you a banner. You can hang it up in the house instead of that draft board behind you. Yeah. <laughs> badly, badly. If it's a sticker, that'd be great because I can just slap it right on this bad Bang. boy. We'll get, we'll get it done. Dan, tell people what, uh, what you got going on over at uh, Fantasy NBA today. Yeah, Fantasy NBA Today is rocking along. Sports Ethos is rocking along. We're just trying to grind our way through draft season and not have my back seize up on me while spending way too much time in an office chair. How do you stay loose, Joss? I'm dying oh, over here. Yeah, I know. It's 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 tough. There's got to be a lot of little walks. And I do some of my work on the couch as well to give it a little bit of a break. But when I'm in front of, in the studio, it's, uh, it, gets a little, it gets a little stiff in here. That's a heating pack behind me, by the way, that blue thing. Oh, wow. I'm heating my back mid-show. <laughs> Old, old man Bespris. I got to live up to it. There you go. I, I don't need that because most of the NBA work is in summer, so we're pretty good in that regard. Oh, yeah, good point. I think I probably just have a bad back because I'm a decrepit old man. And on that note, Dan, thank you again for coming on. Go take care of your back. Go take, what is it, Werther's Originals or something. Go have some of those and really just settle in. Oh, get, yeah. get your pipe, get your slippers and be ready to go. Thank you again for my coming cent- on. My Centrum Silver Vitamins. Do you guys have Centrum over there, do you? I didn't know we that. really do, yeah. I didn't know that was an international brand. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Good old Centrum. I think we call it Centrum Active 55 Plus here, but that's fine. You can, I'll, get, <laughs> I'll get you some of those as well. Um, Dan, thank you once again. Thanks, Josh. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.